um, to uh, keep our attention, but we're going to look at um, neighbourhood chaplaincy um, because this is a, a county's initiative and it's been rolled out across the UK and since 2016 we've had over 100 inquiries from different churches and uh, the scheme or the initiative has the potential to equip churches to transform their local communities. So I want to give you some statistics because I'm not very mathematical and I always like to get them out of the way first. Um, So one project with four volunteers, uh, four chaplains, over a six-month period visited 200 homes. Um, Maybe how they've done that is given out a good news magazine through the door. Um, They followed up 15 homes with a befriending visit and helped six people uh, through helping hands, practical things that they can do for them, investing 120 hours in their community and referred six people or signposted six people uh, to other agencies for support. So that just gives you a little um, picture of the impact that it can be. So a neighbourhood chaplain um, is someone, uh, a person who engages with their community, uh, who shares the love of of Jesus in word and action, as we've been thinking about today. Someone who cares and shows compassion, who can encourage and give hope and help to the lonely, because we have an epidemic of loneliness in our rural communities. Uh, The isolated, often the neglected and the forgotten. Um, One of the reasons that uh, when Neighbourhood Chaplaincies was first presented to me that my heart leapt was um, for my own personal uh, journey and testimony. Um, At the age of 11 years of age, um, I was... um, My mum had a really bad road accident. I had lost my father at four and a half, and I have four older brothers. And uh, my mum had this really bad road accident, and she was uh, in a life support machine for over a year. And when she came home, um, she had to have 24-7 care. And in those days... um, You just got on with it, really, Uh, back then. You didn't have a lot of agencies coming into the home. And we were struggling because I don't know if you know anything about Irish boys, but they don't do a lot in the home. Um, And uh, I think probably that's changed with the modern man. I'm sure it has. But back then, um, a lot was placed on my shoulders as a young girl. And I can remember in my heart, because I was a church attender, thinking, well, surely... It is the responsibility of the church to make sure as a family that we're okay. And I can remember going on my bike up to the manse, which was a very brave thing to do as an 11-year-old girl. And I was very shy, as you can imagine. And um, I knocked the door and I spoke to the minister and I spoke to him for over an hour. And I told him what I thought about his pastoral visiting. And within uh, two to three days, we had an army of people who came to our home. And there was one uh, particular lady who was a nurse, and I watched her care for my mother. And I can remember praying as an 11-year-old girl, Lord, that is what I want to do in a community. And God hears prayers of the children, and he answered. And when neighborhood chaplaincies came along, my heart leapt, because this is a way to walk alongside people, and as Martin has said, to get down with them in their situation and their need and really impact them. Um, I recently read um, a question, and I'm going to put it to you. If you were to live your life again, what would you change? So you probably have to think about that for a little while, go away and process it. But these were the answers, the popular answers. I would risk more. I would do more things that would live after I have died. And I would invest more time in people. In John 21, we read how the disciples went fishing. And they toiled all night and caught nothing. Even though they were skilled fishermen, they were fishing at the perfect time. The sun was coming up, and despite that, the sea was full of fish. And then we have the story as we read it. The stranger on the shore commends them, uh, recommends them to cast their nets somewhere different. And maybe it's time to adopt a new approach to our methods in evangelism. 
I don't feel as a church that we should be satisfied with empty nets. 153 fish were hauled in. And did you know, because I've only found this out recently, that 150, there is 153 different types of species of fish in the Mediterranean. Because the world, God loves the world. All the different complex people in our community are made in his image. And Jesus died for everyone. So the least we can do is to look beyond our stained glass church windows and go and tell them that they're loved and that they're precious and that they're valued to God. I'm part of a church plant. Uh, I I left my um, Jerusalem, as it were, and I went to Samaria. And uh, two years ago, we planted a church. We took 70 from our big congregation, and we moved to the market town of Great Torrington. And uh, as an initiative of going out to, to meet the people, I began doing parish nursing one day a week. I said to God, what can I do? He said, well, use what's in your hand. And uh, I'm a a qualified nurse, so I thought, well, I can do nursing in my community. And uh, it's wonderful to be a parish nurse because that means you can, uh, people uh, refer to have a Christian nurse come into their home and you can pray and you can read the scriptures with them, which is not possible uh, in the NHS. Um, And then as we got very busy, uh, lots of people wanted this service. Neighborhood chaplaincies was just coming on board and uh, I was able to, Uh, think about raising up a team to help me to come alongside. I would be the initial contact, and then I would pass over that contact to uh, the chaplains that would be on the ground. And um, I, first of all, prayed. Someone gave me a room uh, right at the top of uh, the centre of the marketplace, and I would pray every morning um, uh, just before um, people started to move around the town, and I would watch the people And I would pray for the people. And and as I prayed, God began to show me a picture of what he wanted to do in that town. And I became very excited because um, we were a a new church. We had a lot of new believers. And uh, I put out the vision of neighborhood chaplaincy to the church. And um, I got a response. Um, Now, initially, we only had ladies because obviously I'm a lady. I was inviting ladies to come and the men thought, well, we don't want to really be part of a neighborhood chaplaincy. It sounds a bit befriending, a bit girly. Um, But um, that has changed. And uh, as they've seen the success of uh, neighborhood chaplaincy and as we called the men to do some of the more physical jobs, uh, they really got on board and and loved it. Um, So this is um, the, the initial team, the first sign up people. Uh, that were involved and so we got them trained up and uh, we got a uniform on and the way that we started was we we began to uh, find out what was already being done in the town so we presented all the agencies we we call a care forum we sat around a table and we presented what we wanted to offer or what the town needed Uh, could we stand in the gap could we help in any way and uh, they really uh, were very grateful for that and we started to get (laughs) referrals the first thing we were offered um, was really to um, that's us when we uh, were trained and got our certificates the first thing that we were offered was to adopt some gardens now they were absolute wildernesses I think they had set us up to fail maybe Uh, and uh, we got involved in tidying up the gardens they look absolutely fabulous now and I think we've got these gardens for life Uh, and as we were um, doing the gardens uh, there people would come along and they would say well what are you doing and what is neighborhood chaplaincies and we had some great conversations and we were able to pray with people and we were able to share our faith Um, Once a month we go out with the Good News magazine, we go to door to door and uh, we talk to people there. Um, So there's many ways that we can communicate uh, the gospel to people. We are called to partner with God in the transformation of our communities. And local mission exists to the church as as flame exists to fire. And the church is the centre of God's purpose for mission. Uh, God has chosen broken, imperfect people like you and I uh, to, to see his will done. And the church gathered is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, when we meet together, we have wonderful times. But what does the church lo- look like when it's dispersed? 
Um, the church is still the church on Monday morning. Um, and so for me, neighborhood fits, chaplaincy fits so well. It's very comfortable. We've already been told this again and again today to sit in a spiritual zucuzzi where it's all warm and it feels nice. But we need to take the church into the heart of the community in order to bring the community into the heart of the church. You know, Jesus says, go, but people won't come unless we go. You know, people just don't walk into church. There has to be uh, that befriending, and then they come along. 90% of people that come to church come with a friend. Uh, So that's a high statistic. And uh, if we don't evangelize, if we don't get out there, we will fossilize. We will close down. And and there is that bad press about church, isn't there, that um, we're declining, that uh, churches are closing and closing uh, because of the spiritual blindness and apathy and ignorance and and that horrible passive indifference that's uh, in our nation. And it can be a depressing picture, but I believe it's a season where Uh, things are shifting, dramatically shifting. God is painting a new picture and uh, God uh, is building his church and we are entrusted, each one of us, with this uh, ministry of reconciliation to be ambassadors, to represent Jesus where he has planted us and to flourish there. And we can flourish because we have all the tools that we need. First of all, we have to have a concern for our community. And that's where we start. And that process begins on your knees before God, asking him to give you a burden for the lost souls of men and women. Secondly, we have to be intentional about our desire to be equipped to to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Acts 4.20, the disciples said they could not but stop speaking about the things they'd seen and heard. You know, when I met my husband 22 years ago, I couldn't stop talking about Brian, Brian, Brian. Everybody was sick of me talking about him. And it's like that. When you fall in love with Jesus, when you encounter him, you can't stop talking about him. He's so wonderful. And people need to hear these stories. They need to hear about your weekend at church. Don't be ashamed of it. Talk about how God helps in the everyday situations you face. How he heals your body and your mind and your soul. How he means the world to you. People need to hear those stories. You know, in Matthew 25, verse 25, I'm really challenged by that chapter. And it's the parable of the talents. And uh, we read that the man who had the one talent, who hid it. And this is what he said. I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent. Not my talent. Your talent. Do you see the language there? He never owned what God had given him. The skills, the resources, he never used it. He never invested it. Let that not be us. Neighborhood chaplaincy gives us the great opportunity to offer a befriending service, a helping hand service. Um, When you know where a person is at, when you know their story, you can effectively communicate into that situation. You know, we're so good at talking and so poor at listening to people. My mother taught me that you've got one mouth and two ears and use them in proportion. And we need to learn that as Christians, as ambassadors, that we listen to people. We don't answer the questions that we've just asked them. We're good at that as well. That we listen carefully. Um, One of the things that um, I started to do in my own neighborhood is to think about five people in my village that I'm going to go after for God. And maybe you can, in your minds, visibly think of five people. Maybe the person in front of you in where you live. Maybe the person beside you. Maybe the mechanic in the garage. Maybe in the shop where you get your little daily needs. Five people. And when... I come across those five people. I'm intentional that I will start or finish my conversation about Jesus with them. And I'm going to take those five to heaven. Because God has put them in my heart. And that's where you can start with neighborhood chaplaincy. Uh, We offer friendship evangelism. We offer prayer. You know, you can connect 
someone to a spiritual experience by praying for them or saying, would you like me to pray for you? But why don't we just pray for them right there? I have never had anyone say to me, I don't want you to pray for me. Never. People are always willing to accept prayer. And you can connect them to the Prince of Peace. You can bring the atmosphere of heaven into their home where there's chaos. You know, it's really important that we do those things. I think we can be challenged that we can offer them community. We have a wonderful family here. We can offer them a better community than they have out there. And that really challenges us of how we do church. We're going to have to be very welcoming when they come in. We might have to change things a little bit. So that's a challenge. We might have to be disrupted with our routines. We have to be friendly. We don't have our little holy cliques where we just talk to each other. But we're looking for people that are coming and we're bringing them in. We can invite them uh, home for a meal, get to know them. That's really important too. And not be timid, but speak the truth of the gospel in love. Uh, neighborhood chaplaincies um, go out in the authority of Jesus and take his presence. And we don't have to go overseas. We just have to go across this, the street to find immense need. And the task of this church is to see where God is working. And God is working. He's always working. And join him in the task of being agents of change and transformation. To awaken us to God's kingdom purposes. And to be a church that's culturally relevant. Anchored to the rock but geared for the times. Um, And you know I have um, this, um, just move on a little bit, this picture of um, the great house at Hampton Court. And uh, this is the famous vine called the Great Vine. And it was planted by uh, Capability Brown. That's a cool name, isn't it? Capability Brown. And it was planted in 1768. That's before I was born. It produces 500 to 700 dessert grapes a year. It is a fruitful branch, and its fruit remains. Its fruit is delicious. People come and pay high money to have this fruit. Neighborhood chaplaincy is is started as an initiative, and it has the potential to to bear fruit, fruit that will remain. And uh, we can be part of starting something very significant in the kingdom of God. And I wonder, are you prepared for the sake of your community to risk more and to leave something behind that will keep on going on, a legacy, and also to invest in people? You know, I've shared this morning that it does inconvenience you And as you go on neighborhood chaplaincy, you will learn about boundaries and how important that is when you deal with people. But um, it will challenge you, but it will excite you, and it will invigorate you. And uh, I just wanted to, and on a practical note, to just share um, what it would mean to uh, set up a, a neighborhood chaplaincy. I know that uh, some of you here in Great Parks have already been trained up at Bristol and that you will be going out. And uh, we go out in pairs, uh, so we don't do any lone range uh, working. Um, and we, um, <clears throat> we go out uh, with prayer. We ask God to direct us where we go and who we speak to. And uh, very often, because we're visible on the street, one of the things that we did do was uh, on a Saturday morning, we went out and just picked up litter. And that's so easy to do, isn't it? Um, And people would come. Because we're in uniform, they'd come and speak to us, and we would have conversations. Uh, Just being around the town, 
uh, is an important thing. Uh, you can set up coffee stands and just stand and talk to people. There's many creative ways that you can uh, work chaplaincy in your community. And I'm going to invite Steve up because um, Steve is um, a student and he, uh, well, he'll tell you all about himself, but he wants to share how neighbourhood chaplaincy has really impacted him a little bit. So I'll let you uh, listen to Steve for a minute or two. Yep, my name's Steve Ellicott. I'm a student at the Tilsey College, which is part of Gospel Church Outreach, and it's their training for ministry, the training for uh, service uh, course. And I was a technical director of a company up until 2015, and then through a series of events I became redundant and decided to go to Barber College and initially took a year out, but I'm now in my third year because I have actually really enjoyed the challenge of being at Barber College and just having time to be able to study God's Word in depth and to truly understand it. But as part of my ministry training, I was assigned down to Grosvenor Church and again worked alongside Beverly and uh, Paul, uh, David Simmons as again hands-on application of, uh, of ministry. And when I first met Beverly, she was just about to go off to start some of the training for the, uh, the neighborhood chaplains and I went along to the first meeting where we were discussing all the applications, how it was going to work, and I was really captured by it. Because I'd been involved in churches all my life, since I was sort of in my early teens. We do a lot of community stuff, we did a lot of stuff within the church. But we'd all get together, we'd sit down, and we'd say, well, what can we do to try and impact the community? And we'd come up with these ideas, and we'd go out, and some of them would work, some of them wouldn't. I was in one church, and they desperately wanted a youth they wanted a youth club. They wanted a youth club. They wanted a youth club. And I said, but there were no families around here. What's the point of a youth club? doesn't matter. We've got to have a youth club because youth club's how you get to know families. So we had a youth club and two kids came. And, of course, the two kids had a bit of fun the first week. The second week, one of the kids turned up. And then after that, because we had the passion, we had the love, we, we knew we wanted to serve the community. But actually, we didn't know what the needs of the community was. And the thing that really impacted me about neighborhood chaplains was that first of all you train the people the first module is to give you a biblical understanding of why we're evangelizing why we're going out there why we are trying to tell the world about jesus and then you do the sort of legal bits but the other part of it is which is you know don't get yourself into difficult situations and all that sort of stuff um but the other thing that really challenged me about it was that part of the training was finding out what are you like if you're someone who is shy and introverted you're not going to be very good sitting and chatting with people but there's still a role for you to get involved in this or if you're someone who totally dominates people well you're not going to send them to introduce themselves to a poor lady who doesn't know anything so part of the the, the chaplains is to Find out who has the right skills for the right application. But also, you may have practical skills. You might be a budding gardener. You might be someone who's really good at uh, DIY and all that. So you find out what the skill sets are of the people that you're involved. And then go out and find out what are the actual needs of your community. And often that's done by handing out the good news, down on the door, just local magazine from the... Go to your chat away, oh look, you know, you've got your nice uniform on, you've got your, uh, I forget what they call Lampard... And um, you look official. And you'll find that because you look official, people will talk to you. <laughs> and you'll find there's a dear old lady, she says, well, actually, she says, you know, I've, I've, not, I've not really seen anybody for, for, for three months. Nobody ever talks to me. And you just chat away. And then you say, well, look, would you like someone from our group to come and have a chat with you? And that can lead to a relationship where two of you go and you just sit, have a cup of tea for an hour, and you commit to an hour once a week, every fortnight, just to sit with that old lady. And then you find out that her back garden looks like an equatorial rainforest because no one has ever done the garden. So then you find someone in your group who can go and help her sort out the garden, cut the grass, keep it nice and trim, and then agree, okay, we'll come back every six weeks and we'll just keep, keep it under control for you during the summer. And I'll guarantee, well, I won't guarantee because you can't, but you know what I mean, um, that lady will be challenged by what it is that makes you do what you're doing. 
And often that gives you the opportunity to share your message and even to invite her to the church. Why don't you come to, us, come to church at family service? Or maybe you've got a coffee shop in your church and you can say, come with us to a coffee shop. And that's just one application where you use meeting someone's needs to introduce them to who you are as a Christian to lead them to show them who Christ is. And it's that application that really challenged me. Because for years, that was the element that was missing from all the work that we were doing, all the work that we were trying to do. And I've been challenged by seeing this whole initiative, this whole scheme, growing, developing, where you are finding out what are the needs of your community. And then you as a church are saying, how are we going to meet these needs? And it may be, like my home church, we've set up a Thursday coffee shop. Because there are so many people who have got nowhere to go. They don't meet anybody. And we just say, it's a little coffee shop. You come have a bowl of soup, you have a little piece of cake, have a sandwich. And the number of people now from the community just come in, sit, chat, and then you strategically sit around the place so that you as a Christian can talk to conversation and just slowly bring in, well, but why did you do this? Well, we do it because as Christians we believe that's what Jesus did because Luke tells us that he went out, he met the people, he met the lepers, he, he met people where they were, found out what their needs were, helped them and then led them to God. And it's amazing when you actually look at Luke's gospel that he went out looking for the dispossessed people. He went out and one of the stories that always blows my mind in scripture is the leper. This guy had never been touched because he was a leper, he was banished. And the first thing that Jesus did for that guy, didn't say, oh, I can save him. He reached out and he took him by the hand. Because that guy hadn't been touched for years. And that simple process of taking the guy's hand, he touched him because nobody ever touched lepers. Then he healed him. Because having met the real need, he then met the physical need. That then leads to the meeting of the spiritual need. And that, in essence, is what Neighbourhood Chaplains is all about. It's finding out what are the needs, how can we as a church meet those needs. Having met those needs, let's bring them and introduce them to Jesus. Let's show them that because of we do what we do because we have a master who has asked us to go into the whole world and through going out to make dis- disciples. But that discipleship comes from a friendship, from a relationship. And that relationship comes from starting by dealing with somebody's needs and finding out what does the community need? How are we as the church going to meet that? Another initiative that another church I know has done They've set up a food bank. They've gone to all the local shops and said, have you got anything that's about to be expired, you're about to throw away, let us have it. And twice a week, they open up the church so that people can come who are desperate for food because that is a big problem in our community at the moment. And through that, we've got four or five people who now come to church because they've seen something. You're giving away food? Yeah. Because you've got a need and we have a source of finding this food for you. And that leads to these people now coming to church because... They want to know what motivates you guys to do this. And that's what's so mind-blowing. Is It's because you do it for the love of Christ that they then see that in you and they want that. Because they do not really understand in our society, in the way that, our, that we live these days, that you can actually care about someone in the needs. Because that's not something that we do really. Okay, thanks. An up-to-date version, a neighbourhood chaplaincy story uh, in parallel to the leper is um, that God has already prepared the hearts of the people that you're going to go to. And one morning I was going out to do a neighbourhood chaplaincy visit and the Lord said, "Um, I want you to take that oil that's on the shelf. And I had no reason to understand why I should, but I put it in my bag. And I visited a lady um, who had lost her husband um, six months previously. She had lots of agency coming in to help her. Um, So I wondered what I was really doing there. Um, But I knew God had a plan. And uh, as we were chatting, I noticed her hands were extremely dry. So I got out my oil and I just gave her a little hand massage. And uh, she broke down in tears and she said that no one, she hadn't had physical touch since her husband had died. And that was six months. And she had had all the secular agencies in. But no one had made any human contact with her. And, you know, that's, 
something very precious that um, I took away with me that day. Um, and we can make a difference and we can impact. Now, we've done lots of talking. I'm sure you've got questions. So maybe for the last five minutes of our session, um, we can um, look at um, asking some questions. Just want to highlight before we do that. little um, track on your seats. Uh, this is uh, something we use as neighbourhood chaplaincies and during the training you'll be taught how to use this effectively and it basically tells you the story of the gospel and uh, I don't know how you feel but if you're sat on a bus and you've got three minutes to uh, share the gospel with someone, um, sometimes you feel a little bit under pressure um, but this is something you can give to them and in, in about three minutes you can actually start from the beginning and you can tell uh, them the story that they've been lost, that Jesus longs for them, that he's searched for them, that um, he has left his home in heaven and came down, that how he died and how he rose again and how he is seated on the throne and Lord and wants to be Lord of their lives. So do take that away with you, challenge you this week to use it and to give it to someone. Uh, pray that God will lead you to someone to do that. Uh, so that's why they're on your seats. Is there any questions regarding neighborhood chaplaincy? Do you have home prayers in Facebook? So we do. We have a team of prayers. I've set up a team. And uh, we uh, ask prayer requests for the people that we will be meeting. And that is done in a very confidential way. Um, and within your team uh, or your church, you will establish how you want that to look. Um, so we would do initials. Uh, we wouldn't give much detail, but we would ask prayer for particular people. We would tell them when we're going out, when we're coming back. Uh, we're going for a two-hour visit, the location we're going to be possibly in, the area, and they will cover us in prayer. Um, and uh, a lot of those uh, people who pray, we, we see them as a great, a vital part of neighborhood chaplaincy. They're not trained to be chaplains, but they will pray for us. Um, there's three real... Um, roles that you can have, uh, the initial contactor where you make the first visit and then the befriender where you go in and uh, befriend someone, get to know them, maybe do their shopping. Um, if you're doing your shopping for the week, just make a little corner there to take something for them. Uh, a lot of people can't pick up their medication or their prescriptions. Um, little practical jobs that you can do as a befriender and also helping hands um, if you're gifted and you can put up a shelf or you can cut grass as, as Steve has said or any of those practical things uh, you can do uh, then uh, there might be little jobs that um, uh, they, they will ask of you okay does that help has that answered the question with the prayer Yes. So we can put your name down for the church uh, neighborhood chaplaincy prayer team. You could coordinate a prayer team. That would be exciting. I expect you've got one in place already. Um, I don't know. Jonathan. All right. Okay. So you've got the prayer over there, have you? You pray? Right. Okay. Lovely. Well, it works very similar. The prayer chain, we pass it on. The request goes out to all the to all the people, and sometimes one person doesn't pick it up, but the next person will. And if one person is praying, that that's great. And also, if we uh, the situation becomes difficult or the situation is great, we give feedback to answers to prayer. So that's always exciting, isn't it? When God is answered. Anything else? I think this church has been trained because uh, we trained them in Bristol. Uh, some of, of this church has come up. Is there anyone here? They're probably not because they've been trained and they've heard it all. So they're probably in the other seminars. Um, but there is application forms you can take today uh, and have a read. And then you can uh, contact counties if you feel that your church would like to go ahead with it. Or just for more information, um, you can do that. Yeah. Lovely to see these, all these young people. We need young people, neighbourhood chaplaincies. Well, I, guess that, I guess if you 
knocking at doors or whatever else, the, the, the range and quantity of need would be massive. Yeah. You don't really go and say, what can I do for you? Because you would be overwhelmed. Um, you kind of look at your, as Steve said, you look at your uh, particular area, you see their needs, and then you see your skill set. And then if you get a referral, uh, a lot of uh, the neighborhood chaplaincy come through referrals, through um, maybe the surgeries, there's gaps in the system, um, maybe through um, churches and hospices to come and sit with them. That's how we get our referrals. So we actually know a little bit of the history of the people we visit. Uh, cold calling um, is quite a difficult way to start. It's not how we've decided to start. Although we do give out the good news and knock doors and talk to people, um, yeah, you would be overwhelmed. So we sort of look at who who we can do. So I have a diary. And um, I look at what the need is, and then I look at my team and say, can we fulfill this need? And uh, if we can, we, we go back to the referral and we say, yes, we will be there uh, on that day, and we make the appointment. Um, because otherwise you're going to disappoint people. What it would be like if someone was waiting for you to come and you didn't turn up would be awful, wouldn't it? Um, so we are very thorough in that we know that we can meet the need before we accept the referral. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. But... Um, Door-to-door is a wonderful way to, to get to, to start um, because as you get to know people, you do find they have the needs. But, yeah, don't go to every door and say, we're the neighborhood chaplains, we're here to help you because <laughs> you can find that, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Anything else you needed to know regarding neighborhood chaplaincy? Do you, do you see it as a, a, a useful scheme in your neighborhood? You think people would use it and it would be effective? Yeah. yeah. So give me some idea how you go about your evangelism in your church. What are you doing here at the moment? Right. Right. And how many houses are up there? How many would you cover? 200. So you just put them through the door, or do you knock doors, or do you just, yeah, and have conversations? No. We have knock doors. Yes. Yes. And is that to invite people to church, or is that just to have a basic conversation? We only have an invite card with us. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and can you can you tell how many would possibly come from the estate or? Yeah, we have had a little, uh, but not you know not in volume by any means. Out of two hundred houses, possibly four five have uh, drifted in. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's something, they, isn't it? They also uh, in the community centre there. They have a breakfast. Uh, they put on breakfast for the community, and we've also gone to those to try and mix. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so um, with the chaplains that I have trained, we have a chaplain that might go to a school because they're interested in schools work. We might have a chaplain that would go to um, um, a work that we're involved in called Eagles Community, where it's a rehab centre. Um, so they have that skill set. Um, we also have chaplaincies that do supermarkets actually go in. Um, at the moment, um, we've put um, an email to the councillors of our, our little town asking them if we could make it dementia-friendly. That's where our need is, really, in our community. We have a lot of dementia. Um, we have a dementia calf, and one of the chaplains go and sits there. Um, so they've said yes, uh, and it's great because they're leading it, and uh, we want to put Torrington on the map. We want it to be dementia-friendly, and it's kind of a backdoor way in because um, what we're doing is we're going to train up the supermarkets. We're going to train up um, the calf in the middle of town, the workers there, uh, all the shops. We're going to train them up, and we're going to find who the carers are uh, because a lot of those carers need respite. 
they're worn out looking after people with dementia, as you can imagine, and uh, we're going to be the chaplains that are there to help them. So um, there's lots of ways that you can penetrate into the community, that you're not coming while we're here, we're your neighbourhood chaplains, we're going to change your world. Um, you know, it's a more partnering with what the community is already doing is, is a much more um, a gentle approach and a much more acceptable approach um, in the community. Um, so that's one way that um, we can uh, get involved. Um, I don't know if that gives you some idea, creative ideas, uh, that how neighbourhood chaplaincy might sit in your community. Um, are you from big communities? What size would... Um, Four. I think four is the minimum. Well, you can have actually three, three to four as a minimum. Um, and you might find that, um, you know, in six months, more might want to come on board. Um, so, yeah, four would be a minimum uh, in, in order for you to make it viable. Um, so what's your town like? Bodmin. So how, what, what would be the population of Bodmin? Do you know? Is it, is it a village or a, a more of a town? Yeah. So where's the church? Is it sort of sits in the middle? or? No. Right. Yeah. And do you do any sort of door work or anything like that? Yeah, food bank's popular. Yeah, yeah. So the beauty of, of chaplaincy there would be to be there when the food bank is being run and then getting to know people and then having, you know, the service they might offer, can you come and visit me, and that might be a way. Even if you went to cut brass and that sort of thing, you'd still go in pairs, would you? Yes. It's always safety is the most important. Um, no, no. I think in some situations it's better um, that you have two women rather than uh, a man. In some situations it's better to be the reverse. Um, you get to know that. The, the one thing I find is a difficulty, and, and you have to sort of nip it in the bud quite early, is that the first contact they made, if it's you, they'll, they'll be dependent on you because they, they, they're happy and content. And very quickly you need to withdraw from that and get the next person that's with you to, to be involved as well so that they're not always looking to one particular person that you... Because um, that, that can be a, a real difficulty um, if they just want to see you and they don't want to see... They get that attachment um, and you don't... And that's really set out in the training of how, you know, you set the boundaries um, regarding that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yes, yes. Okay. So, how many would you would come to that? Really, that's amazing. And did they come from nursing homes or with their carers? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. <coughs> yes, yeah. Yes, and the schools. So how many schools do you have in the town? Yeah. 
So you you're a very experienced bunch in all sorts of sorts yeah but generally today you have a lot of skill set within the room um um so wouldn't have to do much training would you Neighborhood Chapmancy. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I think when you're raising up a team in a church, you know, you can. We were doing lots of action groups on a Sunday morning. We were actually because people aren't in church on Sunday, so we went out to where the people were on a Sunday, um, and we were doing lots of separate things and raising up a team and being trained um, how to present the gospel. Um, is is quite an effective thing, and our church recognised that this initiative had good training. Uh, we do um, three sessions. We we have the big picture, very much what Martin was sharing this morning about the Nehemiah model. That we start off with the physical needs of the people, and then um, they start to. Um, tell you their problems and through that and helping them in their problems you get to the spiritual heart because Jesus never addressed anyone uh, with their physical needs without meeting their spiritual needs um, so the church that we come from recognized that um, that the training is essential um, to to help because we have very we have great skill set people but they're still quite reluctant to present the gospel in an effective way. I don't know how you feel. Um, you may be better equipped for that. Um, but It is frustrating because there's such a gap, isn't there, between what you do out there and how you get them here and you almost need an intermediate um that's what i find with um you know being in the hairdressers or, or being in the market it's that intermediate place that we meet uh, and it's really hard for people to come into church i know for jennifer that i shared with you you know walking into church was a big deal uh, and walking with her and befriending her and sitting in the congregation with her and explaining these people have got their hands up and, you know, they're doing these crazy things, but it's okay. Um, and, um, you know, that's really important, isn't it? Because it's a real shock to the system. I remember the first time I went to church, I just thought, what, what is this? Um, so, you know, it's that befriending is, is so vital. But, yeah, I agree with you, that gap and uh, being trained to, to present the gospel and not in a scary way, but in a, in a, in a way that's... Uh, I thought we finished at quarter to three. <laughs> I did. I know we started, we started 15 minutes later. Oh, right. We started at two rather than one forty-five. So actually we technically run on until uh, 10 to Oh, sorry. Okay, because I was going to round it up, but we, we've got five minutes. Yes. And I think we've got the balance between being another social, caring, um, do you know what I mean? Like another community, someone that people in the community who go out in groups and help people. But our, our mission is to spread the gospel. So yes. it's actually getting that balance. Isn't it? it is. We just meet people's needs that are not a worldly. People are doing that already. Yeah. We're not a social service. No, no. Yeah. That's right. But you you have to start there sometimes, you know. Just I'm a great proclamation person and when I saw neighborhood chaplains I thought, Well, is it a social service, you know, and but no, but you know, I understand where you're coming from, but you need to start there. And I've I've seen that firsthand, what a difference it makes when you start there. Uh, how easy it is to, to bring the gospel then when they trust you. It's an issue of trust. And when you, when you gain their trust and you gain their favor and you walk with them in the, in, in the hard times and the hard places and you're committed to them and you don't let them down and you show that you're real and you show Jesus' love, then they will listen and they listen well. 
and they get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been very effective. I take it you're working on a church basis. Could this work on an basis? Um, well, we don't have a church. We just meet in a school, and that's our church. So, I mean, people from your church that are in your team, could, could the neighborhood chaplain team be an inter Yes, certainly. That's something that we really want to happen in our, you know, we want to unite the churches. Uh, we have a churches together, um, and we want, you know, to be doing it in all different places and then have a, a complete togetherness in it so yeah that would be really exciting if, if we could get that uh, that is definitely a strategy i would be very excited to see happen because um, we compete with each other in the churches sadly we need to be more together sorry yeah Yes, but you see, God's in it, and God will bring the people that we need at the right time. So there's a, a, a certain amount of faith. If we had it all sewn up, you know, that would be great, but we walk by faith, and uh, that's what makes it exciting, because God does what God does, and, uh, you know, it, it's really exciting. And that's how you bring a community together, you know? Okay, we're near Chapmansley. We can't do this, but we need you to come and help. What about working 10 hours beside someone that wants to preach the gospel? That's what Paul did when he was chained to people. Preach the gospel. What we uh, do do, which we have done for the last nine years, is call a church And once a meeting month, from April to September, we'll take the church to call Great. Love it. Mm. We have we have a, a place called the Commons, and that's what we want. That's our net on our agenda to go up there, and you get to talk to people. Yeah, um, we get to speak to people. Possibly we need training because it's taken it to the next. Yeah, level. yeah. But um, we've never been charged. Either. They know that we're there, not and we give away books. Yes, yes. Because that's where people are on a Sunday morning. They're packed, aren't they? The, these car boot sales packed. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Nine out of eleven. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. And uh, we have, uh, was it four, month, uh, four quarterly meetings and an AGM with them? That's great. And also, we have a place called BDC, which is Britain Does Care. And they do, um, they're not a Christian organization uh, per se. Mm. Mm. So the church is partnering, partnering with them. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Thank you. Well, our time's gone, but thank you so much for your interest, and I'll be praying for you guys and your churches. It sounds you're doing lots of great work already. And please take leaflets um, if you need to um, uh, find out more. Thank you so much.